Hey mamas, I'm Alyssa, registered dietitian, picky eating specialist, and mama of two. You're listening to the Nutrition for Littles podcast, aimed at helping you raise healthy, independent eaters. Each week, we will tackle topics like picky eating, mealtime struggles, baby led weaning, and so much more. Let's jump right into today's topic. Hey, 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 and welcome back to the podcast. I'm so glad that you are here. Today, I wanted to break down a post that goes viral. I feel like every time I post it, um, all about what a good eater will look like. A lot of times parents have this idea of what their child is going to look like when they are a good eater. And today we're going to break that down. So if you haven't already, I first want to say, A, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for doing all the things. Make sure to subscribe. I would absolutely love it. And it would mean the world to me if you left a review. The reviews actually matter a ton to podcasts and make the decision basically for Apple or Spotify or whoever you're listening to, to decide whether or not to push this podcast out to more people. So if you have found this podcast helpful at all, if you could just take one minute, it's completely free to leave me a written review. I love to read them and I know other parents do too when they're deciding how to spend their time. So I try to keep these episodes nice and short to the point and really give you actionable, helpful tips, whether it's strategy or even some mindset or the way that we're viewing things, but also like how to actually put it on the plate to help you feed your families easier, especially with picky eaters. So let's dive in. So there's this idea or concept behind what a good eater looks like. It actually makes me laugh when I think about this because I feel like recently, especially because I have a 10 month old baby, I feel like Instagram is like showing me different posts of like what a good baby is versus like a bad baby. And they're always like funny, right? It's like a good baby does these things and a bad baby like burglarizes and steals things and murders people. Like it's funny because there's no such thing as a bad baby. What parents typically mean when they say, is your baby a good baby? They mean, is it behaving the way that you want it to behave? (laughs) Are you getting enough sleep? Are they eating? Are they nursing? Are they, you know, X, Y, Z thing? It's like we have this expectation. And then is the baby leading up or living up to your expectation? Or is it leaving a lot to be desired? And having now had three babies, it almost never lives up to expectation. But I just think it's so funny. We have this idea of good and bad. And that is certainly true for eating as well, especially with toddlers. We want our kids to be quote unquote good eaters. Oftentimes it feels nice when we're in public or around our in-laws or friends or family for someone to go, oh my gosh, they're such a good eater. We probably hear that comment thrown around a lot of times at birthday parties, at events, at holidays, which are certainly coming up and really just all year round. We constantly hear this idea of, oh my gosh, they're such a good eater. And we want that to be directed at our kids. Like there's some internal desire for someone to recognize how good our child is. And so when they're eating in a way that quote unquote looks not good, it can feel a little threatening to us, feel a little worrisome and make us go, wait, why, why is it my kid getting complimented for their eating? And we have this kind of idea of what a good eater looks like. So whether the compliments are coming from other people or coming from ourselves, we have this idea of what a good eater will look like. And for most of us, not all of us, but a lot of times we envision a good eater to be a kid who cleans their plate, right? We have this idea, this vision that whatever I put on the plate, a good eater would simply eat everything I gave them. And I want to push back on this 
in a few different ways. But first and foremost, I want to remind you that what you put on the plate is not a serving size. In fact, most cases, parents are putting way too much food on the plate or even too little in some cases, or not the right balance between the different food groups or the different food items that we're putting on the plate. And so it really depends in that moment how we're setting up the plate, what types of foods we're putting on there, how much of each foods that we're putting on there, if the expectation is even realistic of if they could even clean their plate. Is that way too much food for them? Is that too much protein? Is that too many fruits? Is that too many you know, vegetables, too much fiber? It's going to fill them up before they even get done with the food. And so really there's this there's this concept or misconception that whatever we put on the plate, we want it to be cleaned off when we're not even necessarily giving them a super balanced plate. Now, this is something I dive deep in into for my table talkers inside my course because so many parents don't even know what a serving size looks like or should look like. They don't know how many carbs versus how much fruit versus how much um, or starches, I should say, versus how much fruit versus how much protein they should even be putting on the plate. So then we're just kind of like guessing, right? Like when we're putting a plate in front of a toddler, we're just like doing our best estimate or our best guess. Oftentimes that best guess is determined upon maybe something we saw some other kid eating or how big the packages that we bought or how much they ate last time we served them this food. So we're constantly, which is a good thing that our brain can do, we're constantly comparing our kid to where they were before, where a sibling or friend or you know schoolmate or something like that is at. And so then we start holding up and creating these like expectations in our head, whether we intend to or not actually doesn't matter. What matters is that we are creating an expectation in our head that they should finish the package. This is an entire pouch. They should eat the entire pouch. This is one serving of chicken. This is how much I'm eating. They should have, you know, a cup of broccoli a day or whatever that might be. We have these expectations. We put it down on their plate. And then if they don't finish it, we don't feel like they're a quote unquote good eater. Now, whether someone says that out loud or we sit in our heads, we start to label this experience as good or bad. And that is where we start to go awry because when our kid is not a quote unquote good eater or didn't clean their plate, we either spiral into worry mode or we start to go, what is wrong with my kid and what can I do or what did I do wrong that my kid hasn't eaten? So we start to worry about them, but also about us and our parenting. And what that does is it creates this energy of fear, worry, anxiety, frustration, anger, unmet expectations. Because we have this idea of how much they should eat, because we have this idea of what a good eater looks like, what a plate of a good eater will look like at the end of a meal, we go, well, what can I do to get them to that that expectation that I had? Again, whether subconsciously or consciously, this is happening. We just may not be attuned to it. All right. I have to ask, do you feel like you're stuck on repeat asking yourself, what should I make for dinner? Or maybe you dread hearing your family ask the same thing to you every day at 3 p.m., which brings on the frustration remembering that every time you spend your time making dinner, it ends up getting ignored or even worse, going in the trash. Do you feel like you're on the verge of just giving up and making chicken nuggets every night until they turn 18 and move out? I feel you. But if that's you, then I want you to meet Picky Plates, your new best friend in the kitchen. It's created by me, a mom of three who also just happens to be a dietitian and picky eating specialist. We are here to help you take the guesswork out of feeding your family. 
Each week, Picky Plates serves up meal plans that are both kids and adults will love. And no, we don't just give you the recipes. We pack in helpful tips specific to each and every recipe to turn even the pickiest eaters into excited eaters. You can finally make one healthy meal for your entire family and have a strategy each night to get your kids to actually eat it. And there's more. Join Picky Plates now to unlock our exclusive bonuses, including a fail-proof lunch playbook, a quick guide to breakfast that take 10 minutes or less, and a mini course on meal prepping that'll save your sanity. And the cherry on top. When you join us now, you will lock in your price for life. So you can click the link in the description box below to start now because strong families are built around the table and picky eating has already stolen enough from us. All right, now back to the show. And so what ends up happening is that energy of anxiety, worry, stress, uh, anger, frustration, whatever that emotion is, drives our behavior. And so then we start to behave in a certain way or do certain things in order to alleviate those feelings in us. And this is why another post on Instagram, I think relatively goes viral, is where I talk about we feed our kids so that they feel comfortable, not so we feel more comfortable. And we don't force feed our kids or force them to eat things that they're uncomfortable with just to make us more comfortable. Because what I'm tuning into there and what I'm tapping into that most parents have recognized is we're actually doing things at the table that's to make us more comfortable. Because we have this worry, this frustration, we're spiraling. We don't want to feel like that. No one wants to feel that way. And so instead of recognizing that emotion and that experience and kind of energy in us, And handling that, we go, what can I make my kid do so that I feel differently? And what happens there, now this is common. This is like how most of us handle any sort of situation, whether it's with picky kids or not, especially in parenting, this is super, super common. But what's something that made my parenting journey way easier, now my kids are still little, so like don't laugh at me yet, but like it's not easy, it's easier, is recognizing this pattern in myself and recognizing how I can help myself co-regulate or regulate myself so that I'm not putting that on my kid because it's not my kid's job to make me feel more comfortable. Let me say that again. It's not my kid's job to make me feel more comfortable. I didn't have kids to make me feel more comfortable in this world, right? I had kids so that I could teach them how to live in this life and be comfortable and be part of my family and all these sorts of other things, but it has nothing to do with them making me feel a certain way or not, right? And and at the end of the day, if you feel shame, regret, frustration, anger, if you take offense to something, you are consenting to it. No one can make you feel a certain way unless you consent to it. I know that's a tough pill to swallow. I know that that's really uncomfortable, but it is very true and actually something that I teach my moms that I work with, my dads that I work with, because a lot of times we feel like picky eating is happening at us. They didn't eat this food because they're mad at me. They didn't eat this food because they're so stubborn. Oh my gosh, they didn't eat this food. I worked so hard. I poured all this energy into it. I really care about them. Don't they care about their health? We start to like feel like this is directed at us or they're just not realizing the bigger picture. So we think we can like logically argue them into being less of a picky eater. And this just simply doesn't work. So again, it all comes back to what we think a good eater looks like. A lot of times we believe this idea of a good eater is cleaning their plate. Maybe we're even at a place where we're saying, okay, they don't have to clean their plate, but they at least have to try everything on their plate. Maybe they don't have to try everything on their plate, but they eat the healthy stuff. 
right? They don't eat too much of the unhealthy stuff. They eat mostly the healthy stuff. So we might have this idea of what a good eater looks like. Now, what I want you to flip it to is this idea that a good eater isn't about how much they eat on their plate because it's going to change. If you have especially babies, toddlers, young children, even as an adult, it changes meal to meal, day to day. It depends so much on how much sleep I got, how much energy I have, how much of my attention you have, if I'm really excited to go do something else, um, how much I worked out, whatever that might be, it's the same for our kids. And in fact, even more so because they're going through huge growth spurts that change all the time, okay? So it's going to change how much they eat on their plate. So we want to shift our mindset to what a good eater looks like from cleaning their plate, trying everything on their plate, being open to it, um, eating more of the healthy stuff than the unhealthy stuff to a place of, do they come and engage at mealtimes? Are they able to feed themselves? And are they able to eat enough so that they stay full and are full and don't ask for a snack 15 minutes later? Are they relatively open to trying or looking at or having new foods on their plate? And are they meeting their needs? This is what a good eater will look like. So some days for my kids, a good eater finishes their plate. Some days for my kids, a good eater looks like not touching anything on their plate. I know that's really uncomfortable to hear. Sometimes a good eater eats a bite here or a bite there or finishes, you know, their mac and cheese and only a few grapes. Sometimes a good eater eats, you know, the chicken curry that I made last night, but doesn't eat the broccoli. Sometimes a good eater eats broccoli and then asks for seconds of broccoli and then thirds of broccoli, but completely ignores everything else on their plate. Sometimes a good eater will drink a cup of milk and have a piece of bread and a little bit of the shredded chicken and some of the steamed carrots as well. So we're looking at, it's not the definition or the amount of food that makes the definition of a good eater. It's their demeanor. It's how they show up to a meal, how they're able to acknowledge, recognize, and fulfill their own needs. Now, of of course, with some support and scaffolding from mom and dad, but at that same time, recognizing that they are in control of feeding themselves, ultimately, not in preparing the food and putting it on the table and getting the right silverware or anything like that. But at the end of the day, the whole job of what we are there to do is to support them in their journey of being able to recognize hunger, to feed themselves a balanced meal, to stay full, to eat until their needs are met, and to grow and develop and thrive, right? So we have to kind of adjust our version of what a good eater looks like. Now, if you are sitting here being like, well, I don't have a good eater in any sense of the word, that is literally why I'm here. So I hope you listen to more episodes. I hope you attend my free training. It is completely free and will literally walk you through what is happening at the table and why your little one is still struggling with picky eating. So I hope that you do that. I will, of course, link that in the show notes below. But I hope this is helpful to start to recognize that how we define our children really matters. The kind of subconscious conversation we're having with ourselves after every meal, during every meal really matters in then how we approach it. Because if we start to spiral, if we start to pick up on that energy, it will affect the behaviors that we have towards our children, things that we may not be super proud about, that we won't feel good about, or things that aren't actually going to help longer than maybe in the moment. I talk about this a lot where some of the behaviors parents do, like eat three more bites, and then you can go play with your friends, or maybe it's If you finish your chicken, then you can have ice cream or we're bribing, begging, pleading, demanding, all these what I call pressure techniques. Oftentimes these are tactics parents use when they feel uncomfortable to get their kids to eat more and they might work in the moment, like meaning they might eat that chicken or whatever it might be, 
But long term, it's actually just making your kid pickier and pickier and distrusting you more and more. And then if you're anything like me, it then has to grow where you say, okay, just have one bite of chicken and you can have an entire bowl of ice cream or whatever it might be. Like you have to start negotiating with them, which feels really overwhelming. So all this to say, it is so important how we approach our kids at the table. It is so important how we view um, our kids and how much they're eating and whether or not it's quote unquote good. But I just want to encourage you that this terminology that by calling something good or bad is affecting the way that we show up at the table and is affecting their relationship to food and their relationship to you and really can oftentimes stifle or get in the way of them being more adventurous to foods. So I hope this episode was helpful. I hope you check out the description box for some more resources. If you're struggling with this, if you want more help, I highly recommend doing that. And I would love to hear from you. What are some topics on the podcast that you would love me to cover? Please DM me on Instagram at Nutrition for Littles. I would love to hear what you would like covered here on the podcast to help you in these quick little 15-minute episodes or what guests you would like to see me have on the podcast. I cannot wait to get to that for you and connect with you over there. All right, I will see you next week. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you're walking away with some tangible ways to bring peace to your mealtimes. And if you like this episode, please subscribe and tell all your mom friends. And as always, the best compliment you can give me is leaving a rating and written review, which also helps other mamas like you find this podcast too. You can find more from me on Instagram at Nutrition for Littles. Do you have a question you'd like me to answer on the podcast? Email me at alyssa at nutritionforlittles.com. All right, until next time, mamas.